yourself a drink. Pull up a stool. Lean in and listen. Hockey talk, swinging tunes, and the occasional hijinks. From Taipei, Taiwan, the Rod Langway Fan Club NHL Playoff Preview with your host, Mark Chiknita. Okay, I think that's still safe and close to me. The nuclear option's always got to be on the table, Jeff. He is a bomb. John Snowden. Langway. The Langway. The Langway. La 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 la. And Jeff Rollman. Well, it's always a good idea to give your mustache a little twist at the end. Andrew Raycroft. Taiwan Beer. Welcome to the Rod Langway Fan Club Podcast. I am your host, Jeff Roman, joined by some grizzled playoff veterans, Mr. John Snowden. I've been pacing myself through the regular season, but I'm ready to go. And Mark Chekanita. Already started growing my playoff beard. Let's get her going. We are coming at you live from our Taipei City studio overlooking the beautiful Herping Riverside Park. Um, Jeff, what are you up to there? Just doing a little bit of a sketch here of uh, Mr. Rod Langway. It's going to be the cover of our box set. Yeah, for those of you that don't know, we're wrapping up our second season here at the Rod Langway Fan Club Podcast. And to commemorate this momentous occasion, we've decided to put together a box set of all of the episodes and some extra bonus features as well. Yeah, for all you fans of the fan club. Yeah, we've got Commissioner Jeff Rollman's commentary on all of the episodes. It's going to give you guys a peek into how it works behind the scenes at the Rod Langway Fan Club podcast. Or how it doesn't work, and we've actually included some of our best outtakes from the first two seasons as well. And no box set would be complete without the basement tapes. Yeah, we've got some of the episodes that are no longer available online for you hardcore fans out there. So pre-order yours today because they're flying off the shelves um, well, not really flying, and there are no shelves, and, well, yeah, we could just use a few extra bucks to spruce up the old green room. Well, guys, it's an exciting time of year, so let's get into it here. Well, this is the playoff preview, after all, so we're going to break down each of the eight first-round matchups in our playoff quick jabs. And listeners to the Rod Langway Fan Club podcast are no strangers to Ask the Commish. You can get your questions in, ask Jeff Rollman anything you like. Uh, if you'd like to get something in last minute, you can email us at rodlangwayfanclub at gmail.com, or you can tweet us at rodlangwayfanclub. Uh, also, we do have a Facebook page, uh, Rod Langway Fan Club Podcast, so feel free to uh, get on there and give us your playoff predictions. And don't forget, you can find the Rod Langway Fan Club Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Podcast Addict. But before we look ahead, let's look back at the best performances of the regular season. Hit it, Tina.
Never thought I would say this on this show, but that was Tina Turner with her song Simply the Best from 1989. Yeah, and just to let you know, the simply was in brackets. Hmm, that's something to think about. We want to give some recognition to the best individual performances of this NHL season, and I thought we would uh, begin with the Jack Adams Award. I don't know, not much to say on that. I think uh, we addressed this at the mid-season point. We said Gerard Gallant, and I don't think anything has changed. The Las Vegas won their division. An amazing year, breaking 100-point barrier in their first year in the league. It's got to be Gerard Gallant. Yeah, it's a it's a no-brainer there. Are there any other names we'd want to toss out there, maybe, just as guys we'd want to give some consideration to? I think uh, Bruce Cassidy in Boston has done a great job with the Bruins this year. Yeah, brought along a lot of young players added to the lineup, so he's definitely got to be considered, but um, I don't know. Yeah, John Cooper as well. I mean, T-Bay's been great all year. Stumbled a little bit at the end, but yeah, overall, he's done a good job coaching those those guys. Yeah, and Paul Maurice, too. I mean, the Jets have had a big turnaround this year, so I think you have to give him some credit as well. Yeah. Well, yeah John he, wanted him fired at the start of the year. That's true. That's true. He proved me wrong, so good for, good for him. Even Babcock in Toronto, I think, has done all right. Yep. Yeah. But yep. I think we all agree, runaway winner on that one is Gerard Gallant. Gerard Gallant, sure. no question. Moving along. And what about the Calder Trophy winner for the NHL Rookie of the Year? Well, I think you've got to go with Matt Barzell. Highest scoring rookie, most dominant rookie, um, especially with Brock Besser going down with that injury. I think that kind of cleared the path for him. Yeah, he's been great uh, driving production on the second line all on his own. Doesn't really rely on John Tavares for production, so yeah. Yeah, Mark, our preseason picks were Clayton Keller and Charlie McAvoy. Both of them have had solid years. I know McAvoy missed a bit of time, but I think Barzell's better than anybody else this year. Yeah, I don't think anyone saw this rookie season coming out of him. He's been a force out there. Yeah, and I think we also have to acknowledge Kyle Connor. He'll be a finalist for sure, the only rookie to get 30 goals. But Matt Barzell still number one pick, easy. Well, yeah, and you look at Kyle Connor and some of the guys he's been able to play with. He's been on that top line for a lot of the year. So when you got guys like Shifley and Wheeler around you, it's a little bit easier out there. Yeah, no question. Yanni Gord also had a nice rookie season for the Tampa Bay Lightning this year. He was sort of a nice complimentary player. Yeah, yeah, maybe didn't get as much ice time, so maybe could have had more production on a, on a worse team where he would have been relied on a little bit more, but he squashed it as it was. Now, not all the awards will be as clear-cut as the first two guys. Um, let's get into the Vesna Trophy Award for the best goaltender. Now, this is really hard to pick this season. Yeah, it was a bit of a rough year for goaltenders. Some of the perennial favorites had really bad seasons. Carey Price struggled. Braden Holtby had a really bad year. Um, Bobrovsky had his ups and downs. Corey Crawford, that horrible injury. So, yeah, not really a great year for goalies. Yeah, and scoring was up as well, so some of the percentages were down among some of the top goalies. So, yeah, very tough to pick this year. Jeff, any names you want to throw out there? Well, I would probably say Andre Vasilevsky. Um, I think he's had a really great season for the Tampa Bay Lightning. He's backstopped them all season long. I know he had a little bit of a bump uh, towards the end of the season here, but uh, overall, uh, he's played very, very well. And uh, he made two of the best behind-the-back glove saves I've ever seen. Those were pretty incredible, yeah. yeah. One in the shootout and one on a breakaway, I believe, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's one of those goalies that no matter how badly out of position he is, you still feel like he's got a chance to make the save. Yeah, great great year for him. Lots of shutouts. Um, I got to go back to the Jets. Connor Hellebuck, I think uh, the number of wins he, he had over the season, you know, broke 40 wins for the first time. Most winningest goalie in the history of the Winnipeg Jets franchise. And rock solid. He didn't have too many skids throughout the year. You know, he'd lose a game, maybe two, but then he would bounce right back and, and have a solid game. So he really was a big factor in the Jets' success this year. Well, sure. And if we're going to talk about consistency, I think we have to talk about Pekka Rene. He's been a rock for Nashville all year long. And 
I'm really surprised, actually, because I thought he'd fall off a little bit this year after he faded down the stretch last season, but he's been great all the way through the season. Nice that they also had UC Saros to uh, give Rene a rest every now and then, so maybe his numbers are a little bit less than what they could have been. His wins, certainly. His I mean, wins. And, and that was something that, you know, Nashville really needed in the past. I think in, in previous seasons they overworked Rene, and that did not pay off well for him. Like, he was struggling with fatigue and, and injuries, so... This year, hopefully, he's primed for a long playoff run, and I know that's what they're hoping for. And sure, and fatigue has kind of been a theme this year with goalies. Uh, some prominent goalies coming out and talking about struggling with fatigue. Carey Price, Andre Vasilevsky, and among those. Yeah, Brayden Holby as well. I mean, that's another guy who's played a lot of hockey over the last three or four years and has definitely been battling fatigue, and it really showed this year. So we might see a different kind of approach to the way teams deploy goaltenders in the next few years. Yeah, yeah goaltending depth is really important right now, I think. Um, Tuka Rask also had a pretty nice season in Boston. Jonathan Quick in L.A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so many candidates. That's the thing. It's such a deep field this year. Uh, who I don't know who they're going to pick. It's a really, really tough call. Yeah, some good players are going to be left out. Guys that probably should be nominated won't even be in the final three. I mean, Sergei Bobrovsky as well. He's played super, super well down the stretch and really helped to get Columbus into the playoffs. I think that bad month he had, though, might cost him. Yeah, I think it will cost him for consideration and for the Vesna, but yeah. Also another great goalie, so we'll see. Yep. Next up, let's talk about the Norris Trophy for the best defenseman of this past season. Now, normally we're always talking about Eric Carlson and Brent Burns, but by their standards, they are a little bit off. Uh, but we still have lots of other guys that were contending. Um, I don't know. Where do you guys want to start? Um, I mean, John Carlson led all defensemen in scoring. Would you consider him for the Norris, though? I mean, a, a I, great I wouldn't. year. I wouldn't. Yeah, just not the. He doesn't have the all-around game. Great yeah. power play specialist and scores lots of points, but he was a minus player this year. And obviously, Washington's defense hasn't been as good this year. So I don't really think you can consider him for the Norris necessarily. Oh, man, is yeah. he going to get paid this offseason? Sure, yeah. Yes, he is. Yeah. Uh, what about Victor Hedman? Great season for him. Great season, but I guess because he's on such a stacked team and he did miss a little bit of time as well, that might hurt his case a little bit. Yeah, he's still got to be in in the conversation. Absolutely, for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the best in the game. Yep. Yeah. And what about PK Subban from Nashville? Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Subban has had an amazing year. He does it all, plays big minutes. But again, you would argue maybe that because of the team that he's on, he's got Roman Yossi, Matthias Ekholm, and Ryan Ellis back there on the blue line with him. It's a lot less pressure on him, so maybe that undercuts his value a little bit. And a um, bit of a coming out party for Seth Jones, who really established himself. Oh, what a year for Seth Jones. I mean, a lot of people were looking at that team and saying Zach Wierenski was the next guy. But no, he really stepped in and came into his own. Um, the trade for Ryan Johansson is looking great for Columbus right now. Great year from Seth Jones. Yeah, he's definitely showing why he was a first overall pick. And remember, defensemen do take a little bit longer to develop, so this was finally the year where he hit his stride. Mm, yeah, really mm-hmm. blossoming now. But our consensus was? Well, I think we got to go with Drew Doughty. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I mean, look at how important he is to the Los Angeles Kings. He does everything, has so many minutes, all situations. Where would they be without this guy? And the thing in the past that kind of hurt him is he never put up the big points, but this year with a career high in points, um, that's probably why he's in the conversation now. He's not just been that great steady defensive defenseman, but he's been putting up huge points as well. Yeah, now that Daryl Sutter is gone, as good a coach he was, Doughty's offensive game seems to have come into its own. Well, I think that the emphasis in L.A. this year was goal scoring, and I think what held them back in the past was the fact that they really struggled to score, and letting Doughty loose a little bit to create more offensive opportunities was probably one of the main goals of the coaching staff this season, and it's been great for his career. Yeah, so uh, Doughty it is. Without a Doughty. 
Well, boys, let's talk about the granddaddy of them all. The MVP, most valuable player, the Hart Trophy. was Canada's own rush with Closer to the Heart. And boys, at the mid-season, we could not agree on the winner of the Heart Trophy. Are we any closer? I don't know. I, I don't think we should rush to any judgments. Uh, I think the list is quite long and there are some names that uh, need our consideration. So let's get into it. What do you think, John? Let's let's get a name going. Well, we got to start at the top with the top scorer in the league, Connor McDavid. Now, I know there's always the debate best player versus most valuable player. But honestly, I, you got to look at the Edmonton Oilers. Where would they be without Connor McDavid? I mean, how many points did they get? He contributed to almost 50% of their points this year. They would be rock bottom. Um, Connor McDavid. You got you got to put him on the list for sure. But where would they be? They already stink. I mean, what's the difference? Either way, they suck. So I don't know. I mean, he's a great player, but I, I think great a guy, player. Come on, he's the best player in the world. He's the best player in the world right now. But I think the most valuable player to his team right now is Taylor Hall. Look what he did with that pretty average-looking New Jersey Devil roster. He dragged them into the playoffs with an amazing season. If you look at their second-leading scorer, he's about forty points behind. Imagine if they played on the same line. Oh my god, I know. <laughs> Peter Shirelli must have had so many sleepless nights this season. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, you got any names there? Well, a name I would throw out there would be Nathan McKinnon, the former first overall draft pick in the NHL. This guy's really coming to his own, and for him to drag a team like the Colorado Avalanche to the playoffs, I mean, there's no question he's the MVP in my mind. All right, so who might some of the other contenders be? Well, I think we got to talk about Blake Wheeler. I mean, he's had a career year. He's the captain of the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, best season in the Jets' history. And let's not forget, like, uh, Mark Shifley, their number one center, went down with an injury. He's been a winger his whole career. He stepped into the center role and didn't miss a beat. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty impressive. I think we got to consider him. Yep. Well, speaking of captains, how about Claude Giroux? Not a lot of people had Philadelphia making the playoffs this year, and he's been an absolute beast all year long. And in his case, the move from center to wing actually really worked out for him. I would throw in uh, Anzi Kopitar. I mean, for him to get the LA Kings back into the playoffs, and he's been Mr. Everything yeah, for them. Great year, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, Pittsburgh Penguins, usually you'd be saying Sidney Crosby. This year, Malkin was healthy for basically the entire season, and what a year he had. I mean, certainly the Penguins' most valuable player. Um, so, yeah, you gotta, you got to think about him as well. Well, here's a name no one's really talking about for the heart consideration, and that's William Carlson. Now, this guy was one of the best players on one of the best teams in the league. He was a force, not only on the power play, not only even strength, but shorthanded. He was a demon, too. He's had some great goals down the stretch. And to not consider him, not to mention the fact that he's plus a million, he's got to at least be in the conversation. Yeah, he's been an absolute steal for Vegas. I mean, last season he scored six goals, and to score over 40 this year is pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, I would venture to say the biggest surprise in the history of the NHL. I mean, that's huge. Wow. But really, I mean, who else is there? Look Remember, John is 278 years that's old. That's right, so he's, yeah. And maybe just to round off the MVP discussion, I would throw out uh, Kucherov or Stamkos from the Lightning. Yeah, the problem, I guess, is that because that the other one exists, they kind of undercut each other's performances a little bit. So great players, but that might hurt them a little. Great franchise, great depth. So yeah, it's tough to pick one guy from Tampa Bay. 
you know, it'll be interesting though, because this all this conversation always seems to be tainted after the Stanley Cup is won. I know it's supposed to be a regular season award, but people often look at it after the cup is won and then give that guy a little more credit if they come from the Stanley Cup winning team. Yeah, what do you think about the idea of just moving the award show to before the playoffs start and maybe having like a three or a four day gap before the playoffs start? Yeah, it might build mo- build momentum for the Stanley Cup. Sure. All right, well, we'll have to see who the award winners are when they're announced in Vegas. But enough of the regular season, boys. Let's get into it. Let's get into the Stanley Cup playoffs. John, hit the music. Come on, man. And with the local DBC news, Evan Kujay with a triumphant comeback. Morris, but tonight... Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. I'm rocking my pants. What suffers the fear? Making the tears rain down like a monsoon. Listen to the bass go boom, explosion. LL Cool J with Mama Said Knock You Out. Guys, we're going to do a little bit of a playoff preview here. We're going to go around the horn. We're going to give our quick jabs and see who's going to get knocked out of the first round. All right, guys, we're going to begin in the East, and the number one contender would have to be the Tampa Bay Lightning, and the Lightning are taking on the New Jersey Devils. Well, I think uh, a lot of people probably pick the Lightning to wrap up this series pretty quickly, but I actually think the Devils land a couple blows early, give them a scare, uh, but ultimately Lightning in six. Yeah, I just think the depth of Tampa Bay with Kucherov and Stamkos, Hedman back there, hopefully Vasilevsky finds his game. Um, they're deep, they're talented. I'm going to say Tampa Bay in five. Yeah, I'm going to go Tampa Bay in six. I think Jersey will steal a couple, but Vasilevsky will be too much. I think McGunn is fine in his feet there. Next, we have the number one team from the Metro Division, the Washington Capitals, taking on the Columbus Blue Jackets. Well, surprise, surprise. Washington finally plays up to their potential in the playoffs. Caps wrap it up in five. Really? I think they've got a bit of a glass jaw. I think Bobrovsky and uh, the Jackets are primed for an upset. I'm going to go with the Columbus Blue Jackets. I think the Columbus forwards will get in the face of Grubauer or hopefully whoever it is. Um, They're going to take it in seven. And next, we have an original six matchup as the Toronto Maple Leafs take on the Boston Bruins. Revenge is a dish best served cold. The Leafs will make up for that choke job in 2013 as they upset the Bruins in seven. Just like in boxing, speed kills. I'm actually going to go with the Leafs in six. Wow, I got to go with the favorite here, Boston Bruins. I think the experience is going to be the difference here. Uh, Bruins in seven. Next, we have the Battle of Pennsylvania as the Pittsburgh Penguins take on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of me is tempted to pick the Flyers. I really like their team, but I just don't trust their goaltending. I think Pittsburgh's more solid in net with Matt Murray, hopefully rounding back into form in this one. And depth down the middle, Malkin, 
Crosby, Broussard, Penguins in seven. I think the Flyers are going to do the best to channel their inner Rocky Balboa, but I just don't think they've got enough gas in the tank. I'm going to say Penguins in six. I, too, am going to say Penguins in six. Not very confidently. I'm not sure that they're the same team they were last year, but you can't write them off. We're going to take it out west, and the President's Trophy winners, the Nashville Predators, take on the Colorado Avalanche. It's me a heavyweight battling against a welterweight. Four will be the magic number. Four all-star caliber defensemen for Nashville, and they wrap this one up in four. Yeah, it's great that Nathan McKinnon led the Avs to the playoffs, but I don't think they've got much of a chance. Uh, they're going to get smashed in four. Yeah, top heavy Avalanche team will get shut down by the best defense core in the league. Um, P.K. Subban is going to be the all-star of this series. Nashville in five. So next, we have the biggest surprise in the NHL this season is the Vegas Golden Knights. Take on the L.A. Kings. Great year for the Knights. They're playing with house money at this point, but I just can't see the experience of the Kings being trumped in this one. Uh, I think the Kings take it in six. Kopitar, Doughty, Quick. Just too much playoff savvy. Yeah, I'm going to say L.A. in six. Um, Dustin Brown had a, quite a comeback season, and I love the way that Jeff Carter played uh, when he came back from injury. We've been doubting them all year. I will doubt them no longer. The Vegas Knights will take this one. They've been rolling four lines all year. They'll continue to do it. It'll be too much for the Los Angeles Kings. Vegas in seven. Next, we have the Winnipeg Jets squaring off against the Minnesota Wild. This one's going to be a cakewalk. I think the high-flying Jets offense is going to be way too much for the Wild to handle, especially having just lost Ryan Suter to that year-ending injury. Jets in five. Yeah, I think the, the speed and the power of the Winnipeg Jets, they're just going to completely overrun the Wild. I don't give the Wild much of a chance. I'm going to say Jets in five. Yeah, the Jets will be too much. There's a crazy one-two punch with that top line, Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley, second line, Nikolai Ehlers, Patrick Liney. They won't know what hit them. Jets in six. Our last bout out west features the Anaheim Ducks taking on the San Jose Sharks. This is going to be a close one. I think we might have to go to the scorecards after 12 rounds are done, but uh, I think in the end, Gibson is better than Jones, and that will be the difference in a very tightly contested series. Ducks in seven. I think this is going to be a real slugfest. I could see things getting pretty ugly in this matchup. I'm going with the Ducks in six. The Battle of California should be a brawl. Um, I'm looking forward to this one a lot. I think that Brent Burns and the Sharks are just a little bit better. I think the Ducks have slowed down. I'm going to say Sharks in six. All right. Well, now that we're done with the first round, guys, let's get into the nitty gritty here. Who is going to be champion? A champion. 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 There are a lot of worthy contenders this year. I really think it's wide open. Um, I'm going to stick with the Tampa Bay Lightning, though. I've been calling them to win the cup for years now, and it feels like this is finally the year where everything's going to come together for them. They're healthy. 
They got Ryan McDonough at the deadline to shore up their only weakness on the blue line. I just don't see anyone stopping them. Too much offensive firepower, and Vasilevsky's been arguably the best goalie in the game this year. If there's one team I could see stopping them, it would be the Nashville Predators. I just love that forward group with Ryan Johansson, um, Victor Arvidsson, Philip Forsberg. You look at their defense, we've talked about them a little bit with Pekka Rene and Nett. I really like their coach, Pierre Laviolette, as well. I think last year they're going to build on it. They went to the Stanley Cup final and lost. Uh, this is their time. Well, it would be their time if they could get past my hometown Winnipeg Jets. They're going to meet in the second round. The Jets are going to be a little bit too much. They're the hottest team in the league coming into the playoffs, and I think they're going to continue that trend. I expect the Jets to beat them and then walk through the rest of the competition en route to their first Stanley Cup in franchise history. Well, I cannot wait to see how this all unfolds. But boys, after all that action, my, my knees are feeling a little weak. Well, I think our sponsor might be able to help you out with that, Jeff. So let's hear from them. This is ridiculous. Yeah, it's like a can of sardines in here. Come to the gangway. You sure? Don't worry, mate. I've got this. What's that? It's a gangway grabber. Huh? Don't you have a gangway grabber? Just stick it, click it, and grab. Wow, it's pretty neat. Yeah, it's the dog's danglies. Tired of standing on a crowded train? Enter the gangway with confidence with the Gangway Grabber. Its extendable handle and suction cup provide 1,800 M-bars of grip. Stick it to any surface, click to engage suction, and ride away. Isn't it great in a gangway? Not to be used for bumper riding, scaling buildings, or spurlunking. Suction can be incredibly strong. Not recommended if suffering from carpal tunnel syndrome, tennis elbow, or vertigo. Do not use on humans or pets. Special thank you to our sponsor, the Gangway Grabber. Yeah, as a frequent Gangway rider, it's really made my Metro experience a lot more enjoyable. Yeah, it's a great little gadget, uh, but mine is stuck on the ceiling of the bathroom. I can't seem to get it off. Well, how did that get there? <laughs> I was just trying to steady myself for a second. So how are you going to get it off? Uh, I don't. Maybe we can ask the commish. Sorry, sorry. What was the question? I would totally veto that. What kind of league are we running here anyways? I'll have to consult the rule book on that one. Remember the trade guidelines. Can we get some friendly questions here? You guys have gotta dress your players. Gotta dress your players. Dress your players. Dress your players. This is your favorite segment. This is Ask the Commish. You can ask him anything you like. Remember you can email us at rodlangwayfanclub at gmail.com. Or you can tweet us at Rod Langway Fan Club. Uh, get them in as fast as you can. We're rolling. All right, guys. So where are we starting? Well, we got a tweet here from BB Irk. BB it's Irk. a wrap for the Sedins in Vancouver. What are your thoughts? Yeah, the Sedins have called it a career. Uh, these guys went second and third overall in the 1999 draft, and what a, what a career they've had. The storyline is in, in absolutely incredible. Here we have two identical twins drafted by the same team. They played on the same lines, and they made sweet magic together. It really did seem sometimes as though they were one person. Yeah, it was almost creepy sometimes. They'd be sitting on the bench and like start drinking from the water bottle at the exact same time, and these no-look passes to each other, and they weren't the most raw, talented players out there. They weren't the fastest, they weren't the strongest, but their vision and hockey IQ were elite. Some of the best I've ever seen. 
Yeah, I mean, some of my favorite plays from the last generation of hockey players come from them. I mean, these passes between the legs to some guy, and you, you know, as a as a viewer, you didn't even know he was there, but you know, Daniel or Henrik knew the other one was there, and then boom, what an amazing play! So many of those. And what a move. I remember that draft, the 1999 draft, and that massive series of trades that were made so that the Vancouver Canucks could secure these two picks because at that time it was known that the Sedins absolutely insisted on playing together. And when there were two of the top-rated prospects, this is not an easy thing to pull off. And Brian Burke did pull it off, and wow, it paid off in spades. Yeah, probably his best move as a general manager. And you look at the 1999 draft, and it's just a graveyard of busts like just listen to this top 10 you got patrick stefan who went first overall huge bust yeah then you got huge. the sedines at two and three pavel brendel went number four tim Connolly number five brian finley chris beach taylor pyatt jamie lundmark and branislav medse i've never heard of half of these guys and i'm a huge nhl fan so it tells you about the 1999 draft well i mean if you look at the deeper rounds of that draft i think it actually ended up being well it was a, it was a, a deep prospect draft. I mean, okay, you got Craig Anderson, who panned out to be a number one goalie, still is, number 77. Okay. Not mm-hmm. a bad pick. Uh, Mike Comrie at 91. He was a successful yeah, second, okay. third line center. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He was a not bad. Ryan Miller went yes. later 191. Well, that's a steal. That's mm-hmm. a steal. 191 for Ryan Miller is great. I mean, yeah. he was a Vesna Trophy winner. Out of the University of Michigan. Yeah. And then um, to top it all off, I mean, it seems like the players get better the later you go in the draft. Uh, Hank, Henrik Zetterberg at 210th overall. Well, that's ridiculous. Yeah, the Red Wings always seem to find these guys yeah, late. Yeah, Datsuk as well, right? But yeah. So, I mean, yes, it, it, the, the first couple of rounds were abysmal. Yeah. But, you know. We can't forget uh, Director of Player Safety George Peros was also taken in that draft. Yeah, another great mustache. Mm-hmm. One of the yeah. finest, indeed. Yeah. But yeah, the Sedins, I mean, we will they will be missed, right? Yeah, it's a shame. Now, how much does that uh, Stanley Cup appearance that they lost to the Boston Bruins affect their legacy? Well, I think a lot of great players have had great careers without winning the Cup, and I don't think it should weigh too heavily on anyone when they think about the Sedins and the impact that they had on the league. And let's not forget, they ran into Tim Thomas, who had an otherworldly season that year and one of the best playoff runs for goalie in recent memory. So you can't blame them too much. Okay, so John, what do we got next? Uh, we got an email here from Homer J. Smith. Uh, he's touching on Rod Langway, so I oh. thought this was one we might want to read. Okay. He writes, uh, Rod Langway is a two-time Norris Trophy winner. These days, it seems like the Norris Trophy seems to go to the best offensively-minded D-man. Is it time to have two awards for defensemen? One for the best offensive D-man and one for the best defensive D-man? Thank you very much for the question, Homer, and I think the time has come to establish a stay-at-home defenseman award, and it should be called the Rod Langway Award. I mean, let's face it, a defenseman's job is to defend first, and I think that a lot of this gets lost in points. I don't know, do we really need any more awards, though? I feel like there are enough awards. The awards show is already kind of, I don't know, drags on a bit, I think, so I, I, I know where you're coming from, but I'm just not sure I want to add another award. Well, yeah, I hear what you're saying. There are a lot of awards. But, like, look at the number of forwards that get recognition in the league through the awards. Um, you know, we have a Selkie. We have a Lady Bing. We, and, you know, these, are, these mostly go to forwards. Um, well, obviously, the Selkie goes to the forward. And usually the Lady Bing is also won by a forward. Um, I just feel like 
Some of these defensemen, like a Matthias Ekholm in Nashville, he's very underappreciated. Hampus Lindholm in Anaheim, another guy. I mean, they're great. They're, they're, Mark I know Edward Vlasic. Mark Edward Sanders Vlasic. Zane. Some of these guys, they're, they're good two-way defensemen, but they play their role so well. They're very good at defending. They can chip in offensively, right? It's not like all they do is block shots and, and get the puck out of the zone. Like They're, they're con- contributing offensively, but they're such important players on their team, and I think they should be acknowledged a little bit more. I feel like they get enough love probably from their fan bases, and I'm sure they're really appreciated in the locker room. So I'm not sure how many of these guys would really be clamoring for an award to be recognized for their service. You need a good shutdown defenseman. I love the idea of calling it the Rod Langway Award. I, I do think. like that. I mean, who wouldn't? Especially here at the Rod Langway Fan Club Podcast. Whoa, John. That's quite the endorsement. going to be hard to uh, counter that argument. So let's move on to the next one, maybe. Sure, we got a tweet here from JR. Uh, he just says... Fantasy season is finally over, a lot of sleepless nights. Always fun, but I wonder about how it impacts my enjoyment of the game. Hmm, Uh, that's a really good question, JR. Now, all three of us dabble in fantasy hockey. I think that's an understatement. (laughs) And I think we all enjoy it. Sure, you're the commissioner. That's 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 right, that's right. That's how I got the segment of this show. That's right. And um, it's really amazing to think about how far fantasy sports have come. I mean, it used, to, uh, it used to be that guys would do it with fantasy baseball, and they would actually cut out the box scores from the newspapers, and they would keep track of the scores on their own. Eventually, they added you know, Yahoo Sports, and now you could play fantasy sports for all kinds of sports, hockey, baseball, basketball, NASCAR, golf. And uh, then you look at um, the creation of DraftKings and how big it's got. Yeah, daily fantasy. Daily right? fantasy, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, but I have to say, maybe it's a little bit out of control. Yeah, I mean, I, I just look at my own experience and the amount of hours that I soak up just pouring over stats and thinking about trades, and it's, it's kind of ridiculous, and at the same time, I can't really stop myself, and I'm sure I'm not the only one out there who feels that way. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, uh, this year in, in my fantasy hockey league, I managed to snag Connor Hellebuck, who was the, the goaltender for the Winnipeg Jets, my team. But in previous years, you know, I've had, this, I've had a team, and my players have been playing against the Jets. And I find myself rooting for them to lose. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah. You have that dilemma when you play fantasy, don't you, with your own team? Yeah, and I know, like, for me, that kind of turns me off in a way. I'm like, well, I really want the Jets to win. But, of course, you know, you, and you sort of make these bargains with yourself. You're like, well, maybe the Jets could could win the game, but I want them to win 5-4 so that these guys can score against Winnipeg. And, yeah, it does definitely change the way you view the game and the way you enjoy it, for it, sure. It does, yeah. you know, and I find it often changes the conversation. You know, sometimes when I'm talking to um, to people out at the pub and just talking about hockey in general, um, somebody will almost inevitably say, oh, I really like this player. I've got them on my fantasy team. And it's hard to have a discussion about hockey in general when people keep drawing it back to their personal fantasy hockey team. Yeah, it's definitely kind of perverted the entire experience, hasn't it? It has, but it, it does make things more interesting too, right? It does. And the other thing I would say, it has expanded some people's view of the game. I mean, a lot of a lot of people who might just be, you know, Toronto Maple Leafs fans, um, who would only pay attention to Leafs and, and root for them, it expands their view of the game a little bit, and it gives them an appreciation of some of the other players that maybe they wouldn't pay attention to very often. Yeah, I guess it kind of forces you to expand your horizons and watch some games you normally wouldn't watch. I know I watched a lot of Anaheim Ducks and uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights games this year just because of players that I had on my fantasy team. And it's kind of cool to see some other teams than, you know, the Habs were unwatchable this year. So Yeah, it's got its ups and downs, I think, is, is the story. So it, it has changed the way we watch the game, uh, a little for the good, a little for the bad. 
All right, boys, we should probably wrap this up. Uh, what's the last letter we got? Well, first of all, Jeff, I should clarify that uh, people don't really write letters anymore. Um, I know you're a little older than we are, and you, you, live, in, you live in a different time, but uh, it's actually an email. There's this thing called email where people send messages on computers to each other. Anyway, okay. di digitally. Digitally, yes. Okay. Anyway, it, this one comes from an old friend of the show. We thought we heard the last of him, but... Uh, friend? Is he really a friend? Well, yeah. frenemy? I hope so. Yeah. It's Leroy. Leroy! Yeah, Leroy. so Leroy Yay. writes, Hey guys, I decided to give your show a second chance, and thank God. I heard the letter from Prince Akeem of Zamunda, and I thought I'd beat you guys to the punch. Hmm. I dipped into the kid's college fund and wired the prince the cash. I just received confirmation that 250,000 euros are on the way. I talked to my wife. She's putting the cash payment down on a new condo, and we're going to give things a second chance. Thanks, Rod Langway Fan Club. Thanks, Commissioner Jeff Rollman. That could have been that could have been the Rod Langway Fan Club podcast, 250,000 euros. I Jeff, mean, we told you, man. We told you. Leroy, I think you've made a, a very terrible decision to send money to an African prince. You're still not going to admit you're wrong? I think it's awful. The money's coming in. Yeah, you just said like the money's coming to... in. Yeah, I, I don't know. You're man. such this a is... skeptical guy. You just never can see the bright side of things. He's just can a conservative you? guy. I mean, this yeah, is the thing. We... I guess. Never I shakes things up, never gives things a try. I just want the best for Leroy. I want the best for the podcast. So, yeah. Man. Well, I want That's the best want. for everyone. Well, I love you all. It's good for Leroy, I suppose, but yeah. I mean, we really should have got on that, I think, a little bit faster. Nope. At least Leroy got on it and not some arch-rival of ours. Yeah, that's true. It could have been the Brad Park Appreciation Society, those guys there. You mean that rival podcast out of Thailand? Yeah. I hate yeah. those guys. Oh, they're they're the rivals. They're the worst. Yeah. So at least they didn't get the cash. I well, Leroy, live it up. Have a drink for us and hit those tables, buddy. Maybe uh, you can fly us out there and we can have a good night together. Hey, now we're talking. Yeah, I wouldn't mind meeting Leroy at some point, buddy. Well, that wraps up another segment of Ask the Commish. Yeah, that's it for the regular season. Uh, what a season it was, though. I think the playoffs will be even better. Yeah, bring on the playoffs. I can't wait. Yeah, it's about time. Well, everybody, enjoy, and um, I hope you had yourselves a time. Well, I, I, I hope you had yourselves a time. Hope you had yourselves a time. Hope, hope you had time, 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 time. Hope you had, hope, hope you had yourselves a time.